Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike as we navigate topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. If you'd like to hear more, head to nwaybway.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of Narrow Way to Broadway. Philip with you all today, and I am joined by my very good friend, Marissa Gambarda. Say hello to the people, Marissa. Hello, everybody. I am so excited to be here today. Yes. Um, so, Marissa and I, so what's, I mean, this feels really strange right now because usually I'm talking to like a voice that's in a whole other state or another country or something right now, but we're sitting across from the, the table from each other. Yeah. And we've literally just watched. Um, the show that we're going to be talking about today. But before we get there, Marissa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I would love to. Um, I have known Philip. We got to meet through the New Spring Internship, which is truly where a lot of my really great friends have been flourished from. But I get the privilege and honor to help lead Fuse at our Clemson campus, which is our middle and high school age ministry. And it is literally so fun because I lay in bed at night and think about how I can get middle and high schoolers to throw up and know Jesus better in the process. So it is literally a dream job and it's super fun. Yeah. Marissa is also, I'll just say this about you. Marissa was a softball player at Clemson University. So you just graduated. I just graduated in May, did my victory lap. I decided to play my COVID year at Clemson, got my grad degree in athletic leadership and yeah, played three years there, got to help start the program at Clemson, which is um, such a great honor and something that I will remember for the rest of my life. It's incredible. And they're like a really good softball team too. What did y'all finish the season? I like don't even know exactly where we finished, but we made it to the super regionals, which is the final 16 and we're only a a three year program. So definitely a massive and big accomplishment. Um, we definitely celebrated really hard as a team making it that far. It was really fun. Well, I wish I got to come to more games, but COVID and you were just so popular that the only tickets you could get were to go to baseball games. <laughs> well, we can go in the future. I'll be at every single home game, sitting in the stands, bag of popcorn. It'll be awesome. I no. can't wait. Um, so, like Marissa said, we met during the New Spring Intern Program. And honestly, it feels like we've known each other for way longer than yeah. we actually have. But it's not even been... It hadn't even been two years yet that we've known each other. That's so wild. It's wild. We've been through a whole lot. Just to kind of give us a little bit of background, tell us about how you met Jesus and just kind of your relationship with Jesus. Yeah, I would love to. So growing up, I actually grew up in a Catholic home. My parents took me to Catholic church every Sunday. And I remember up until I was about... Um, fourth or fifth grade, I would like bring a coloring book every every single Sunday. Would literally go because I knew that I was going to get a donut and just wasn't getting a ton out of you know going to Catholic mass. And so I actually went with one of my best friends at the time, Peyton, to a church called North Point, and it's a North Point church in Georgia. And I went to a weekend camp called Walking Wisely Weekend in in 2012. And the message was all about labels and like the labels that we put on ourselves that are either true or not true. And it was in that moment that I've realized that I put in a lot of labels on myself that were not what who God says that I am. And it clicked for me in the moment. I remember sitting in the auditorium, I was on the floor, like middle towards the left. And me and my other really good friends at the time, Maddie Campbell, both met Jesus at the same day. Really, really cool story. Um, just like friends throughout middle school. And so, yeah, we, I met Jesus when I was in 
the sixth grade at a Walking Wisely weekend camp from North Point, and then I was very, very involved in Young Life, mm-hmm. and went to a summer camp um, in Colorado called Crooked Creek Ranch, and that's where I feel like I actually decided to change my life to honor the Lord in every single thing that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, not just say that I'm a Christian, but actually live it out. So I met Jesus in the, in the sixth, going into sixth, seventh grade, and then actually decided to really get serious about it about my sophomore year. So cool. I mean, when I think about people that are like daily really trying to work and like wrestle this faith in Jesus and everything down. You have gone through this process and every single day because of the way that you have walked through, um, you know, your faith life at the beginning, you get to help young girls and young guys that live here in Clemson walk through those like same moments every day, which is so, so cool um, to get to see. So, before I reveal this week's musical, which you've seen the title already, so you know what, what we're talking about today, um, but the reason why I chose this show specifically for us to talk about is one of the first things that I think I remember us talking about was um, was this musical. So we're talking about Shrek today. I mean, I have been waiting to do a talkback on Shrek since we started doing talkbacks last season, which isn't too long, but I think that this musical is probably one of the best musicals written since the turn of the century. So yeah. like, it's it's way too good. It has absolutely no business being half as good as it is. Neither does the movie. I mean, we know that it was a whole spoof on Disney and the classic fairy tale. Like, right. you know, musicals have done before, like Into the Woods and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I can name 10 of them right now. Um, but this one is has so much heart and is so much fun and just stupid at the same time. And um, I remember actually when I was a little kid, when I went to New York for the first time, we went to the M&M store and it was completely Shrek the Musical themed. And my family was just like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Like, who would go see Shrek the Musical? Who would come here and see it? And then I remember watching it a couple of years later when it came on Netflix and was like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is so good. Yeah. Um, But anyway... The reason why I chose this one is one of our first conversations we ever had as Marissa was like, I had a friend and she sang this song from Shrek the Musical. I know it's today. She literally would sing it. I remember being like seven or eight years old and she would sing that song over and over and over again like throughout her house. She did musical theater at Oklahoma. I mean, she is crushing it. I hope she makes it on Broadway one day. But she used to sing this song around the house. So I feel like I... I've known Shrek the Musical, but I never actually watched it. But I could just, I could tell you just about all the songs, especially, especially I know it's yeah. today. So for those of you that, I, I'm sure a lot of you are very familiar with the show. You've probably done it. I This was actually the last professional show that I did before the pandemic. Um, and I, so I've done Shrek the Musical over 80 times. So oh I'm gosh. very, very familiar with the content of just this show in general. And I've seen it on Netflix a ton of times and I've watched it twice to prepare for um, our talk back today. But if you don't know what Shrek the Musical is, I don't know, maybe pause this right now and just go listen to the soundtrack because it's a lot of fun. Or you can actually watch the entirety of this show um, on Netflix if you have Netflix. So go watch it. It's really great. And then maybe come back and listen to the podcast. But if you're just going to keep continuing or co- just going to continue listening, um, just some background on Shrek the Musical. It was written by Janine Tesori um, and David Lindsay. Abe Rare, I've, you know, I've never heard his name when I heard people talk about this show, but Janine Tesori wrote Thoroughly Modern Millie, she wrote Fun Home, Violet, Carolina Change, she's fantastic, one of the best um, 
musical writers and composers, lyricists, book writers out there. She's fantastic. Um, but it's based on the 2001 DreamWorks film Shrek, and it has elements from all the different Shrek movies that um, have come out since that original movie. And it originally premiered on Broadway in 2008, and it ran and it um, closed after a run of 12 months in January of 2010. And then it had a tour and a West End production, and now every single theater in the country has probably done it, every high school, every Shrek kids and Shrek Junior, I mean, it's been done a million times. So, we're gonna talk about it, because the chances of you being in a production of Shrek the Musical if you like theater are very, very high, um, and if you aren't in one, you're probably gonna see multiple productions of Shrek, and we just wanna give you some, um, some stuff to think about when it comes to faith and the themes that we see in Shrek the Musical. So let's start at the top. Yeah. Marissa, what are, um, what's the first moment? So we're going to walk moment through moment, moment by moment through the show. Um, so when you were watching this, what was one of the first things that came to mind? They were like, hmm, that reminds me of this specific life principle or truth or something that we see in scripture. Yeah. Well, a little, a little prior to before I even clicked play on the, ne- on the Netflix film, um, I texted you and was like, all right, anything specific that I need to be looking out for? And mm-hmm. you said, yeah, Marissa, like whatever you can see biblical themes, we'll talk about it on mm-hmm. the podcast, like take notes. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, take notes? <laughs> like <laughs> on what? Um, but as, as I was starting to watch the play, the thing that I feel like the Lord was reminding me as I watched throughout the film is that I'm going to see whatever I'm looking at, right? Yeah. And like as I'm watching the show, like with a biblical perspective in mind, it's so easy for me to recall scriptures throughout the show as mm-hmm. I'm hearing, you know, Donkey say this sentence or Shrek say this sentence or Fiona say this sentence, whatever it is. It's like very easy for me to recall scripture because I know going into it that I'm looking at it from a biblical perspective, mm-hmm. which I think was also a reminder for me, like that's so important in life also. Mm-hmm. It's like when we go yeah. through like mountains and valleys in life, it's like, what's the perspective that I'm looking at? Because like, can I easily recall scripture when I'm in a valley in the same way that I am on the mountain? So all of that to say, the very first thing after I was like, all right, I'm taking notes on this. The very first thing that I recalled was at the very beginning, Shrek's parents were basically singing to him. He was like, I think six or seven years old. And they're like, it's a great world out there for everyone except for you. And I think we don't realize, I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if this is something you learned in the internship Mm -hmm. or not, but the biggest thing that I learned throughout my New Spring internship is every single thing about me comes from something. Mm -hmm. Every, you know, the way that I act, the the things that motivate me, all of of these things about me come from something of my past. And Mm -hmm. so I think we see Shrek be so miserable throughout his life because his parents told him from such a young age that, like, the world is out to get you. No one's going to like you, and you're basically ugly. Mm. And it's just like the power of words that are spoken over us are so important, and I think yeah. that I saw that um, from like six minutes into the film. Yeah. Um, that's like, that's the number one thing about yeah. this entire show is the words that are spoken over you um, that you come to believe. You know, I mean, as a kid, you're so impressionable. You're hearing these words, these things spoken over you. You're going to believe them yeah. about yourself. Um, the scripture that comes to mind for me when we're talking about this is Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue oh, yep. and those who love it will eat its fruits. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can think of stuff that people said about me as a kid that I still late at night wrestle with, you yeah. know, and I'm like, well, I don't believe that during the day, but then when I'm 
by myself, I'm like, holy crap, you know, yeah. maybe I, maybe that is true about me. Or remember when that professor in college said that I needed to lose 15 pounds to be able to be thought of ever as yeah. this specific role. I mean, like that kind of stuff yeah. sticks with you and it never goes away. And a lot, a lot of times these things that are said to you aren't meant to harm you. Shrek, this specific instance, you know, the parents were saying this, I don't know, maybe it is potentially to help Shrek and like be like, people are going to treat you different. They're going to do all this stuff to you. But then you carry these preconceived notions, this kind of like damaged personal history yeah. into the world with you that then becomes the lens through which you see everyone in every circumstance. This like, I am damaged goods. People see me as damaged goods. Yeah. And it is the lie that you begin to believe also. Yeah. I don't know exactly where I read this in a book, and I don't know the exact facts, so don't like fact check me, but it was saying that throughout all the thoughts that come into our mind each day for the average person, like we have 80, out of all the thoughts, 80% of them I think are negative is what the, the quote said. Yeah, like I just 80, talked about that in a prayer a couple yeah, weeks like ago. Yeah, it's like 80% of the thoughts that come into our head are negative, but 90% of the 80 mm-hmm. were a previous lie that we've believed in the past. Wow. And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, what like sour soundtrack have I been like continually playing in my mind? Mm-hmm. Like what's the lie that I believe? Where does it stem from? And like when I wake up every day and I think that, it's like 90% of the negative thoughts that come to my mind are a lie that I believed the day before. Yep. So it's like what would it look like for, you know, us, people listening to this, to like identify what the lie is, see if it's from their past, you know, ask you to heal and redeem it and then move mm-hmm. forward. Like yep. crazy life change can happen. Yeah. That. Yeah. A couple weeks ago in the prayer, so y'all might remember this if you listen to it, but I was talking about Kid Springs, catch it, check it, change, change it, it. Yep. idea when it comes to, um, when it comes to lies that are spoken over you or that you're choosing to believe, you can catch those lies, check it against scripture and what God says, and then you can change those thoughts and replace it with what truth and identity that God has spoken yeah. um, over you. Another thought that I had on you know this specific moment is so we go through the whole story of him as a kid. He like is now believing that he is this ugly, hideous ogre that no one's ever going to want anything to do with. Um, then you open up into the Big Bright Beautiful World song where he has now chosen to be comfortable in this lie that's been, that he's been told and chosen to believe. And that has really become his reality. Mm-hmm. You know, when you do believe lies and you, re- you replace truth with these, um, with these lies, they can become comfortable. That reality sets in. And then, um, you know, that's where the show begins. That's where right. we, that's where we meet the fairy tale creatures and everything like that. But it made me think about like, man, what lies am I comfortable yeah. sitting with right now in my life? And I mean, I don't know what those lies could be for you that are listening right now, but um, yeah, just think about that. Like what, is there a lie that you that you have in the past believed about yourself that you've walked through or that you're currently believing about yourself that you're comfortable sitting in because maybe someone else has you know, affirm that in your past or is affirming that thing right now. Yeah. Um, I think for me specifically, it's it's sometimes hard for me to identify lies to myself, but when I speak them out loud or to a friend, they're able to um, help me see that it is a lie. So, for example, I literally did this last week. I texted one of my friends, Emma Grace, said like, hey, this is how I'm feeling today. And she replied and said, is that a fact or is that a feeling? Mm. And it was so great for her to say that because I can then say, is this a feeling or is this actually a fact? No, this is a feeling. You know, I'm not controlled by my feelings. Therefore, this doesn't need to determine who I am. Yeah. 
and and I, and I think we're, we're probably going to get into this a little bit later, but um, just like the importance of friendship and and you know that's a big theme throughout Shrek as well. Which yeah. I, I don't want to jump the gun. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to get there, but um, I know for me, like I have really good friends in my life that I you know, are, am able to speak lies out loud and they'd be like, actually, that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good place to move on from. So let's keep, let's keep moving forward in the plot. So we get the fairy tale creatures. They've come, we're going to talk plenty about the fairy tale creatures later on. Um, but right now, the next character we meet is Donkey mm-hmm. when they're running through the woods and he sings a song, Don't Let Me Go, which is just a blast. Um, and what is he doing? He's running away from all of the armed guards. But what you see when he approaches Shrek for the first time is he sees Shrek not as the enemy, as not as someone to be scared of. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know why he doesn't see... It really makes no sense why right. he doesn't see Shrek as kind of this menacing figure. Because when the fairy tale creatures meet Shrek in the swamp, they're not like horrified of him, but they're still kind of repulsed mm-hmm. by him anyway they're kind of like okay let's like hide here and yeah like go like bye we're gonna be fine here so what is it about donkey specific background that you know makes him i makes him not respond that way i have absolutely no idea what yeah. that is i feel like he's but, just full of joy and fun and excitement also yeah i mean you can hear it in his voice like he yeah. actually is excited about yeah. every space that he walks in yeah that's really great um but then he he goes into this um, you know, don't let me go song, and then he like sees Shrek for the first time as someone like I just said, that's not scary, that's not angry. He sees him as a friend, and by the end of the song, they're like traveling to do lock together. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is like the other what what I would say is the other main theme of this whole show is someone seeing you for who you actually are without any preconceived notions about you and then some kind of friendship connection happening that changes everything about you. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I think the thing that I wrote down as I was taking notes was um, that donkey, like you said, saw Shrek for who he was, Mm -hmm. but he also was saying that he was going to be there for him, not like when the world's crashing down. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'll, you know, shave your back if it gets hairy or I'll bring you soup when you're congested. You know, like yeah. it's, it's the little mundane things where we That's see great. like the importance of friendship in a cup of soup mm-hmm. or, you know, you can't reach the hair on the back. Great. I'll help you. You yeah. know, and it's literally what he's singing to him in the yeah. song. Um, yeah. I just, I just think it's important that he's, he's literally like, I will be a pal for you if you need it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times what we do as people is we put so much weight on the initial like friendship like well how do you find friends right this is a great example of this guy was just kind of like hey want to be friends and yeah. Shrek's like no and he said okay let's be friends you yeah. know I feel he just like you do that really well too like you just find someone's like hey do you want to be friends because you're just like what do I have to lose yeah you know and I think I mean you can even say the amount of friends yeah. that you've met in Clemson from simply walking up to them and be like you want to go to Bojangles? Yeah. You know, I know you have no idea who I am, but like, yeah. let's go anyway. And yeah. yeah, I think if there's one person that definitely goes out of their comfort zone to make people feel warm and welcomed is you. So mm-hmm. I think, you know. Thanks. One thought that I have about, like one thing that I think I, I do um, 
when it comes to meeting friends and meeting new people, which is like my favorite thing, <laughs> is um, realizing that at everyone that you meet from like that's a stranger, you have no preconceived notions about that person, and they have no past history of you, and like you don't have like. Yes, there's a point in a relationship where, you know, history and your stories will start to come out. But, um, yeah, there's just something so freeing about knowing that this person knows literally nothing about you. They don't know you in high school and, like, how much of a jerk you were or, you know, whatever you were in high school. They, right. they have no idea. Yeah, you were just point. a random stranger coming up, so they have nothing against you. You have nothing against them, so... Give it a shot. Go talk to a stranger somewhere, whether that be at church or, um, I mean, there's definitely a right place and a wrong place to to maybe try to make friends. Like, maybe not try to make friends in the grocery store. I say that and I've made friends in the grocery store. Right, I'm sure, yeah. You know, uh, assess the situation, assess the time period. But um, making friends, honestly, the older you get, gets really hard and you just got to go back to that sandbox mentality of everyone's looking for a friend and someone that they can look for support. And we got Cooper here, which is, he's a sweet, he's about as big as Donkey. <laughs> yeah, um, that's great. Um, all right, moving forward from there, you have any other thoughts? Um, on not portion? specifically on that, no. Incredible. Um, so now we've got, I know it's today, so we meet like Farquaad and everything now, and he's just, you know, this weird little guy, and they do their little dance and everything in the village, and now they're going to look for the princess, and now... We're finally getting to meet Fiona, mm-hmm. and we sing um, "I Know It's Today," which is your favorite song. <laughs> um, you have any thoughts about this portion? I think the thing that I was just thinking about as the song was playing is I saw the transition of the girl who was like, you know, obviously the child to the young adult to you know the full woman, and she was saying the same things over and over again. Mm-hmm. Which just reminded me of like how often when I'm praying for specific things Mm. and like doesn't happen in two weeks and I just like stop praying for it. And it was just reminding me of like, I know it's today. Like I know it's today. God, is today the day you're going to pull through Mm -hmm. for me? And I think that was like the biggest, I guess, biblical key that was, that was getting, you know, stuck out to me as this, I see the transition of this girl who's literally eight years old, or I don't know how old she was yeah. in, the, in the movie, to a full-grown woman asking God for the same thing, yeah. like with joy, like in singing and not growing weary in that. Yeah. I, I wrote down, what do you do in the waiting? Yeah. Um, do you have expectations for what things will look like on the other side of your waiting? And all of her, I don't know, I think Fiona has expectations, but all the expectations that she could have are other people's experiences but she knows that there's something else Mm -hmm. she knows that her story is different probably because she's an ogre (laughs) (laughs) maybe but um yeah i think it's a really a really um (laughs) i don't know i can't think of a better way like if i were doing a drama piece at a church like a better way to tell a story than the way that they did of like waiting and growing up and continually asking for the same thing like she's in three massively different moments in life and she's patient in them even at the end when she's like are you there god like how many times have we had the yeah are are you there god moments in our life yeah i think you see that throughout the bible all all the time time. yeah like you read the psalms and you see it yeah you know it's crazy but um 
really that's all I have for that portion of the show. I know it's today is like top notch, one of the best songs ever. Uh, from in musical theater, I absolutely love it. <laughs> I remember when I was a uh, in high school and I f- saw the show for the first time. I like listen to this song on repeat over and over. I'm like, this is so smart and so funny. <laughs> um, okay, so we've gotten through the tower. Um, she's saying the song. And Shrek is coming for Fiona. I wrote down Fiona's expectations for her future are broken when she realizes that Shrek isn't over. Mm-hmm. So what do you have? The, my thought in that um, that moment where he takes off his helmet and she sees that this guy that's rescued her from the tower is the thing that she is and is yeah. the most uncomfortable about in her life. Um, and I think there's something really interesting to that um, to that specific moment. When, so I'm thinking about what happens when you realize that the thing that you've been hiding for so long in your life is the thing that actually makes someone else who they are. Whether that be like a talent or whether that be yeah. some ability that you have um, that you've been like, you've been hiding from other people. Which mm-hmm. this gets to what we'll talk about with the freaks and stuff in just a minute. but Or the fairy tale creatures. And... Um, yeah, I think about like a lot of times when I was a kid, I was made fun of for doing, you know, theater and things like that. And then it became the thing that I got into college for and got scholarships for and the things that I got paid to do, you yeah. know. And today people are like, that's really cool that you do that. But like I went through so so much bullying thing, bullying, bullying and stuff growing up because of what I did that was kind of against the status quo. Right. But then I think about times where I've like tried to hide that about myself that, mm-hmm. and I think I've had a moment like that this yeah. recently where I've tried to convince myself that just because I'm not like actively performing that I kind of don't like theater and performing arts as much. And then I had an audition for the first time a couple of weeks ago and it just like rocked me about yeah. how I had denied that I enjoyed something that God created me to love um, was just really really eye opening and in that moment when I was watching the show I was like oh gosh like how often are we faced by other people doing the thing being confident in the thing that you know we've decided we want to hide from other people how does that make you feel in Fiona's situation it kind of makes her I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember how she responds specifically she doesn't run from Shrek though because she knows that's part of herself Right. She doesn't run, but I think I saw this also when Lord Farquaad was, like, singing with his troops of, like, mm-hmm. how much perfection actually meant to him. Mm. And yeah. I think, like, this is a struggle for females, too. It's like, we want things to look perfect. We want to have the perfect man, the perfect future, and the perfect wife. And everyone mm-hmm. plans their wedding on Pinterest by their ni- age yeah. of 19, and they put these timelines on themselves because they have this picture-perfect view yeah. of what perfection actually is. And... I mean, I definitely fall into the the category of perfection. I'm a hard mm-hmm. Enneagram 3. I like to achieve. I don't yeah. like to fail. I will put myself in positions where I don't fail because yeah. I think that's part of like the athlete in me is yeah, I just I just want to succeed. But as Lord Farquaad was like singing with his Yeah, let's backtrack to troops. backtrack that, to like Lord back? Yeah, let's back a little bit, but I totally want to talk about the perfectionism that we yeah. see in, in the city of Duloc. Yeah, Duloc, that's the city. <laughs> I just think, I think just as I was watching it, perfectionism to that degree is just very, very hard to sustain for a long yeah. period of time. And you probably remember this, like 
I talk about it all the time, but the the very very best book that I've ever read was called The Cure. Mm-hmm. And the book opens up. It's like if you have the cure, go find it on Amazon. It's a white um, front cover. It says the cure in red letters. I think with like a snake or a red drop or something on it. But it's like it's water. Like is it water? water. Yeah. yeah, it's like a water droplet. Maybe it's like ninety-eight pages. The best book I've ever read. Wrecked my world. But the the book actually opens up with um, a guy on a path, and he's got two options. It's pleasing God or trusting God. And mm-hmm. I remember reading that chapter and being like, I really don't know. Like, those mm-hmm. both sound like good options. Yeah. But one of the paths led to the room of good intentions, and then one of them led to the room of grace. Yeah. And it describes the room of good intentions as this, like, beautiful ball. Everyone's dressed to the nine. Everyone has perfectly hair. Hair's perfectly done. Handshakes, a lot of smiles, mm-hmm. tea and crumpets. Everything's perfect. Yeah. To the point where it's like uncomfortably perfect. Yeah. And then he ends up leaving that house, goes to this place called the Room of Grace, and it's this like log cabin with a grandma who's like cooking cookies and like greets him at a warm smile on a front mm-hmm. porch of a log cabin. Yeah. And it's like, how often do we try to put on a face that's perfect um, because we want the outward appearance of all of mm-hmm. our peers and friends and teachers and mentors and parents to approve of us that we actually. Yeah are like suppressing the very thing that God's called us to do. Mm. It's really good. The room of good intentions and the room of grace. If y'all, yeah, you, you've got to go read the cure. If you haven't ever heard of it, it is so short. Um, So short. It is for some people absolutely love it. Some people don't like it at all, but there, I promise that there is so much that you can get out of this book. There's one line in it that says you might wondering friend are right on time. Yeah. Like, and it says such a God moment for me yeah. attached to that line. It means nothing to you that are listening right now, but maybe it will if you go go read it. It's well, it also it also talks a little bit about masks too. It's like when we put a mask on yeah. and we continuously put a mask on ourselves to pretend to be perfect to the outward appearance. Like when we finally take that off, only our mask will ever mm-hmm. receive love. Yeah, because we're not actually being who we are mm-hmm. underneath the mask. And so again, book rock my world. Totally go buy it on Amazon. Super cheap. Like yeah. Literally 98 pages. When we see that really with, great. We see with Lord Farquaad specifically as he's not like everyone else. But yeah. then everything else is perfect except for him. And he's trying to make himself as perfect as possible to fit into this perfect world he created. It's like such Which a weird such a weird thing. And uh, yeah, it's not sustainable. And we see it start to crumble, yeah. you know, from the moment when he tries to yeah. go and get Fiona the things it starts falling apart right yeah. in front of him from well, the even moment on stage, Shrek walks into the kingdom yeah and like Shrek and Donkey they walk into the town and like all the people in the, in the on his team or whatever they run yeah. away yeah and I'm thinking I'm like well yeah it's because like the minute where you know fear creeps in or you know something is you know not perfect we run because we don't want to fail yeah so yeah, I was like, whenever every time when the freak comes into place, Shrek and Donkey, they don't know how to combat it, so they quit. Mm. That's what I wrote. Down, they don't know what to do, so they just quit and run away. Yeah. Because they don't know a life outside of perfect. Yeah. Wow. Let's jump to the end of the act. Let's jump to the end. <laughs> so that's who I'd be. Another song that is way too good for Shrek the Musical. Um, 
but there's the line at the very beginning of the song so um you know fiona's been rescued there's like their last night before they get her like back to the um back to farquad and um him and donkey have this moment together where they just kind of get very real all of a sudden Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's a line that shrek says um when donkey's asking like well why why he's like you've changed like you've changed a little bit you seem like you're having like a good time um like why do you act the way that you do and shrek says they judge me before they even know me that's why i'm better off alone so donkey's mm-hmm. like i kind of want to be your friend and he's like no i'm he's shrek's still pushing all people away even though he can tell that it's been good for him and then donkey um says but shrek when we met i didn't see you as a big stupid ugly ogre and Shrek's, you know, feels tender out of that mo- mm-hmm. <laughs> out of that moment again. Friendship, um, and Donkey calling out the things that are true about Shrek. He's like, I don't see you as the thing that you've been said, yeah. and, and as the thing that you have been, you know, called your entire life as a negative thing. I see you as my friend Shrek, that just saved a princess from a tower and a dragon and done all this sort of stuff, even if it wasn't for great intentions. Um, but what Donkey does in this moment is he calls Shrek higher. Mm-hmm. So like I wrote, Donkey calls Shrek higher. Donkey is a great friend. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's my, my note for this section. Um, it's just really cool to see what happens out of the moment through this song that we'll talk about in just a second. Um, when you're called higher. Mm-hmm. And I think about the moments that my friends have called me higher and called out um, things that are true about myself or I've read scripture or heard a message that has revealed some piece of truth about me that God speaks and it causes me to kind of like exhale for a second and be able to think outside of the box that I've created for myself to live in. So where else do do we go in the song? We talk about like where where else direction wise does this song did you have some stuff that you wanted to talk about? Um, specifically on like Shrek and Donkey being vulnerable. Yeah. That, yes. that part. Yeah, I think there's just been countless times in my life where I can look back and be like, the the purpose of confession and friends close by to actually hear my heart behind things is so important. Mm. I think, I mean, I tell this to, you know, group leaders all the time. It's like, I will tell you anything about my life. I'll tell mm-hmm. you whatever you want to hear because I believe three things wholeheartedly. That like, God is good, Jesus had forgiven me, and I'm loved. And I think when, when we as Christians come to grips of what that is, we can say sit in front of our friend and say, here are the things that I'm struggling with, or hey, I really don't feel loved, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, because we know that we can say that with no shame attached. Yeah. Um, and so I think that is just the importance of friendship that we see through Shark and Donkey in that, in that specific scene where they are elevated higher. Mm-hmm. And I think there are times, too, where... Like, we can tell our friends things, and they can say, actually, I think you're being really prideful in this situation. Because mm. <laughs> that's happened to me yeah. a couple times, multiple times, actually. Actually, I need to remind you that it's actually not about you right now. Yep. And that is a really good thing to have. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad said it the other day, like, discipleship happens at the point of conflict. Mm-hmm. Like, we can disciple people better when conflict is in place, and we can talk about it, elevate them higher, remind them who they are, mm-hmm. and walk through it together. Yeah. Um, the other thing about this song that I love is the ability that this vulnerability opens people up like opens you up to be able to dream 
like I just said, you're in the, this box. It opens you up to be able to see farther and Shrek just starts naming all this stuff and you're like, holy crap, this mm-hmm. is this ogre that has had literally no semblance of a personality other than he cracks crude jokes is talking about like being a Viking that writes poetry about the moon and the stars. And it's like, but he's dreaming. He came what? alive. <laughs> yeah. Like that was the first time in the, in the show that I like saw him come alive. Like yeah. he believed in himself that he actually yeah. could. He's like, yeah, if I, you know, that's who I'd be, I would do all these things. Mm-hmm. And he like actually believed, I feel like while he was singing that, that actually could be true for him. Yeah. It's really, really, really beautiful, beautiful ending to act one. Mm-hmm. Then we get around to act two, which pretty much nothing happens. <laughs> and so there's a couple silly songs. Um, but there are some some moments that will hit. Um, morning Person, what a great act to fun. opener. Just fun. Um, and the first place that I really want to hit is the song I think I Got You Beat that Shrek and Fiona sing, otherwise fondly known as the farting song. Um, but during the song, they have a moment of like conflict in the woods, and they're kind of like, "Oh, well, you, you know, my mom and dad sent me away on my birthday, and I lived in this tower, and I lived in the swamp." And then they kind of have a moment when they realize that like they were both sent away from home on their birthday, and their story is like identical yeah. to each other. Um, and we see the power of shared experience allows them to grow deeper in their friendship and their relationship it's kind of the initiating moment of their you know romantic relationship during that song but um how often when you um like realize that you have um i don't know just empathy for someone else um in their experience and then look at your own life and find those moments where um there's like overlap where you can step into their shoes and be like okay i get why this person maybe responds this way to the situation how that gives you common ground and allows you to come together and see each other's stories um you know in a different way well there's also just nothing more comforting that when you are like spilling your heart out to Mm -hmm. someone because there was a long time in my life where the things that i struggled with i was thinking nobody's gonna understand Mm -hmm. me nobody's gonna get it no one's really been in my shoes Mm -hmm. therefore like i'm just not gonna say anything because I'm going to look like a freak to them. And like the moment where I actually was like spilling my heart to the person in front of me and they looked back at me like Mm -hmm. dead in the eyes and be like, me too. Mm -hmm. Like I've been there. It is like literally one of the most comforting things ever. But I think that is where we have to remind ourselves like every single part of our story is important, even the ones that we don't want Mm -hmm. to. Like for so long, I like ripped out so many pages of my story. I'm like, well, we'll we'll stay up to this point and then we like won't talk about that part. Mm -hmm. And then we'll keep going about this. So like maybe not talk about that one either. Yeah. But like that's just like robbing God glory and all of it because when we can look across from someone and be like, I get it, then they feel the freedom to then actually unpack whatever they may need to, which I think is important. It's really cool. And if we think about, think about it, go like an even deeper spiritual level, you know, Jesus experienced everything that we will experience when it comes to sin and temptation. Yep. Um, and so we can lean into the comfort that the person that we declare as our Savior and Lord has experienced and walked through everything that we will walk through. And because of that, um, you know, we have a Savior and we have a God that understands yeah. how we're feeling and what 
um, what we're walking through. Yeah. Um, or is so, it we don't have a high cool. priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, then we have the weird daddy bathtub song that I don't even want to talk about. But basically, <laughs> um, we get a glimpse back into Farquaad. He knows that Fiona's coming, so he's like preparing and getting ready. And he's talking about this wedding, this perfect wedding and this perfect life that he's building for the two of them to live. And um, you get a glimpse into his past and his motives for literally everything that he's doing. And it all comes from like daddy issues that he's created. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're like what? You don't get this in the movie. So in the, in the yeah, like I said, you don't get this portion in the movie. Basically, you know, in the musical, we realize that Grumpy the dwarf is his dad when his dad is like one of the freaks, mm -hmm. and he's running away from that. And he was supposed to be this minor and all this stuff, and um, he's kind of like trying to show up his his family, and there's not much there other than. Lord Farquaad is trying to make something of himself that he's trying to believe and create an identity for himself that is not his identity in the opposite way that Shrek is. So like mm -hmm. Shrek has just believed the lie and Farquaad has had identity that is also probably a lie spoken over him, yeah. but he's twisting that lie to make it like even more painful for himself. Mm-hmm. And running from him and pretending like those things were never said about him, him yeah. and never dealing with them, which causes him to create an entire kingdom and an entire fake world that he's also living in. Um, so you have on one end of the spectrum Shrek that's believing everything that's been said of him living in a swamp in Farquaad that, you know, is probably could be one of the seven dwarfs now living in this plastic kingdom that he's created that's like a theme park. Weird little contrast there of what a lie can do to you yeah. um, and your thought, proce thought process. Um, last two things that we're going to hit today, we're getting to the end of this, is um, I'm going to build a wall, which is another absolutely beautiful 11 o'clock number um, that we did not deserve in this show at all. Um, but you run into this scene where Donkey and Shrek have gone back to the swamp. He's brought Fiona to Farquaad. Farquaad's given him the deed to his swamp. The fairy tale creatures are gone. He's back home. But Farquaad has split the swamp in half between Shrek and Donkey. And they're building this wall together there. And he chooses that he's going to block people out again if, out of his life because he's been hurt by Fiona. You can go watch the show and go get all this background information. But how often when we get hurt by someone that we do let in, mm -hmm. um, do we completely regress back into the place that we um, the place that we were? Yeah. And I'm not saying that like when you get hurt that you shouldn't let it you shouldn't feel that and you shouldn't let it like it shouldn't hurt. Like, yeah, it's gonna hurt when someone betrays you. Yeah. In the situation here, he wasn't actually betrayed. But in life, you will have people that hurt you and betray you. But I don't know. I guess what I'm asking is what kind of practical steps can we put in place that when people persecute us or when people hurt us, um, what can we do to make sure we don't regress back into believing a lie about ourselves or yeah. believing something like that? 
Do you have yeah. any thoughts? I mean, I think for me, the first the first thing that comes to mind as you're talking about this is I think there is a healthy way of feeling things when yeah. we are hurt. I know for me, for a long time in my life, um, I feel like I just grew up with like, it's fine, it's fine, like you're going to be fine. Put your bootstraps on, keep going, like you're good, you're fine, you can make it, you mm-hmm. know. You know, the world's hard, like people throw rocks at things that shine, you got it, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Like truly, like I feel like those words were said to me growing yeah. up. And so as I hit, you know, end of high school, beginning of college, like how I was actually feeling for myself was was very hard for me to identify because yeah. I didn't sit with emotions very well growing up. Yeah. And so again, every single thing about us comes from something. And mm-hmm. so the way that I grew up, not in a bad way, is just you know, don't let, you know, one little thing ruin your whole day. Yeah. And and so because of that, I think feeling emotions exactly like you said is really important. I think also um, realizing your own thoughts about them before you, you know, girls five your call your five best friends and get all of their mm-hmm. intake and then believe yeah. everything your five friends say. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, talk with your close your close trusted people, but then also like remind yourself that forgiveness is for your own benefit. Yeah. I've heard it before that not forgiving someone is like, you know, lighting yourself on fire and hoping the other person burns, which is just not realistic. Um, but forgiveness yep. is for your own benefit because yeah. nine times out of ten, the person who hurt you is not thinking about it. Nope. We're just carrying it yep. like a big, you know, backpack full of shame and mm-hmm. anger and bitterness and whatever it is that like actually forgiveness is for our own benefit. Mm-hmm. That was straight out of the cure. One more um, <laughs> straight plug to the cure, best book ever. Mm-hmm. You should go get it. But yes, I think forgiveness ultimately is for our own benefit. Yeah. Um, but I think feeling emotions, talking with trusted people, you know, praying obviously about next steps, and then forgiveness mm-hmm. is how I would I would say to walk through that. Yeah. Um, one thing last night at our like young adult ministry that we have at the church that um, we were talking about is like, blessed are those that persecute you, and we were like at the end we had this moment of pray for people that are persecuting you right now and all of us in the group were kind of like i don't want to i don't (laughs) want to but also do i know of anyone that's persecuting me right now i mean in our we don't have like these massive enemies yeah especially i don't know especially if you're in kind of a church world bubble you might not have people that you consider your like enemies in life i know i really don't but then i had a moment um, while we were praying at the end, I was like, wow, I don't have enemies, but I've created these like small enemies or these frenemies, you know, yeah. in my life where I will have a moment where I'm like, it's absolutely tearing me apart that mm-hmm. I, that someone treated me that way. And that's someone that I would consider a great f- friend of mine or something like that. And they've done something to me and I am just absolutely furious at yeah. them. And in that moment, you know, I don't call that persecution, but um, to the level that maybe Scripture is talking about it, but God chose to reveal this to me through that. Through that, so maybe this is what Jesus was talking about in the yeah. Sermon on the Mount. But what are these tiny microaggressions that you believe um, that maybe happened purposefully or unintentionally by someone that you blow out of proportion and that just again you spiral and you spiral yeah. and you spiral. And initially, you know, my thought is, well, I can just forgive them, but. Um, one thing that's helped me that I think I've been getting better at. I mean, I hate conflict, Same. but when these things, when these moments happen, I can go to that person at the beginning of my feeling like super spun up and just kind of breathe and be like, okay, Hey man, why did you say that about me? Why did you do that 
you know, to me that like actually hurt my feelings. Yeah. Or, um, you know, can we talk about this? Have I placed some um, unrealistic expectations on you and you feel like some sort of way and you said that anyway? Yeah. What, how long do you usually wait before those conversations happen? Gosh. Is it immediate? I feel like oftentimes for me, now that I have gotten better with my emotions, I feel like me entering into some of those spaces immediately is not mm-hmm. almost more detrimental than anything. Yeah. However, I also know you don't want to be like, hey man, I know you hurt my feelings a month and a half ago yeah. because then you're, you know, that's not helpful either. Yeah. So what would you say is like your time frame in dealing with conflict, especially yeah. for all the people that are listening that may not love conflict like you and I? I think, I think the way we everyone views conflict is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's different things. Like one thing that I feel a lot of times is loneliness, and so when I get left out from stuff, I feel like I'm being attacked mm-hmm. by people. Um, even though that's maybe not someone's you know someone's specific intention to leave me out on purpose of something, that's just where my brain goes because of past history of being left out especially when like my guy friends go and do stuff and I get left out I feel very deeply about that um and that's just my personal history and they might not feel that way when that doesn't happen to them so there's different situations when that kind of stuff happens I think I have learned that it's typically just an oversight or it's a moment where I can be vulnerable and share that with them and just be like hey I feel this way right now. Like, I'm not telling you you need to invite me to come and do this, but I need you to know this about me, that when I'm left out of this kind of specific activity or kind of thing, it really makes me feel this way. And maybe that's a personal problem, like, that I need to get past. No, but I think think that's helpful for your friends to know how to be a good friend to you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. In the same way that, you know leaders lead people differently like I like things black and white don't beat around the bush it's so frustrating to me right things black and white whatever it may be Um, but I think there's are there are those certain situations when it comes to timeline where you might need to address this immediately before you let yourself get spun up about it and it leads you to some kind of like other sin to cope with the anger that you're feeling right now which is the opposite direction that we want to go yeah or Um, You know, scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And so I don't, I don't know if that exactly means, you know, 24 hour period, but I, there's a pastor that I really like that says, I typically will give stuff 48 hours. Like if it's really, really eating me alive, I will um, wait until it's not eating me alive. Yeah. which is usually 48 hours usually and I can rationalize I and be like okay am I being a crazy person right now or is this actually a real thing that I need to address and I think 48 hours is a good timeline for that person's going to remember what they did to you whether it was on purpose or not on purpose um, but yeah great that's I'll prescribe the 48 hour rule yeah I feel good about occasionally. that's usually what I usually what um, I stay with Let's talk about some fairy tale creatures to shut things down. Let's shut it down. So the big song for Shrek the Musical, the one that everyone knows, is Let Your Freak Flag Fly. And gosh, this was so much fun to get to do every night because really the ensemble isn't in Shrek a whole lot. So when I got to do this song every day for three months of my life, um, it was always so, so much fun. But what do we learn about the fairy tale creatures yeah. in Shrek? Yeah, I, one, love that song. 
someone who does not listen to musicals or watch musicals all the time. That was actually the first time I've heard that specific mm-hmm. song. Um, but as I was watching it, um, the song that was coming to my mind was This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually yep. pulled up the lyrics to that. Um, and it says, you know, I've not, I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say. No one will love me as or lo- love you as you are. But I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us, for we are glorious. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a flood, going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised. I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Yeah. And wow, I it's love the that. same song. <laughs> yeah, it's literally the same. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm brave. I'm bruised. I'm who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat of the drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. And so very similar to the song. I think it, I think exactly what you were saying earlier is that the, the, the deep convictions and the things that God has made specifically you and specifically Mm -hmm. me for, if we do not step into those things, the only people who are being robbed of joy is us and God's glory. Yeah. Like our joy is being robbed and God's glory is being robbed. If we do not step into those things. Yeah. I've heard it also be say, in, an ath- in the athlete world, that you will always be the second best version of someone else. Mm-hmm. So if I'm trying to be like you, I'm going to fail every time because yeah. I'm not you. Yeah. I don't have the gifts that you do. Yeah. But when you step into exactly what you are, when I step into exactly what I'm supposed to be, um, we just see a beautiful picture of people yeah. coming alive. And that's the that's the body of the church, right? Mm-hmm. It's like what the yeah. church is made up of. Yeah. I mean, that's literally the scripture that I have written down right here is um, Romans 12, 4 through 7, where we talk about um, the body has different members. I'll just yeah. read the scripture because th- this is going to speak way better than I ever could. Um, but Romans 12, 4 through 7 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. The one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts and is exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Um, I thought one thing that was really cool when I did this show as our director um, really wanted all the fairy tale creatures to be able to be um, very specific characters that would relate to someone that would come to the show. Um, and so she had all of us. Like we all had one-on-one meetings with her and we talked about like who our character was, what person that we wanted um, people to be able to see, like what type of person we wanted to be able to see um, in our character, like our weird fairy tale character in the show. Um, and she just wanted people to be able to see that thing that like others would, you know, maybe call a freak about themselves and you know, be able to see themselves on stage. And um, yeah, that was a really cool thing that she did and it made the show a ton of fun and I think helped people connect to what we did. But that's the same thing for the church. You know, we all are gifted in so many different ways. We are so diverse in so many different ways. um, And it's so much bigger than just what one of us could do. Mm -hmm. And when we're all working in unity with one another, which isn't happening at the beginning of the story. We have all these, you know, misfits that see themselves each as their own individual stories that don't overlap. When they all realize that their stories do all overlap, they have the power to, you know, take back their home, you know, which in a way is kind of what God promises here in, you know, in the scripture that 
you know, once you believe this identity and this truth that we have, like the kingdom of heaven will come to earth um, and we will live in unity around the throne. Yeah. Praising the name of God. So uh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Shrek in general? Um, I think the thing that I am leaving with it, I said it at the beginning, is like, one, ask yourself, what view are you looking through your current life situation in? Um, yeah. What view are you looking at it in? Are you looking at it in a biblical perspective or yeah. a worldly perspective? Yeah. <laughs> or... Need, Cooper is showing need, us so much love right we're now. We're going to cut this part out. <laughs> this is our one edit. No, no, no. We we're keeping it. We're keeping it. Minutes. Um, is, is what what view and what lane are you looking at your current situation? Yeah. One. Um, but then also, what is the very thing that God's called you to do? Yeah. And what's stopping you from doing it? Mm. The question I would ask is, if you know money wasn't an issue and you could do anything you want, what would you do? Yeah. Or is there something that you are secretly good at, but you've never had the boldness to try it? Yeah. Whatever that thing is, go and do it. Yeah. To the glory of God. Well, on that note, I think it's time to shut this thing down. Um, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Marissa, thank you for coming on. Um, she is the real deal. Um, and she leads students like no one else. So if you are ever wondering how to lead students and need fun, crazy game ideas... You can find her on social media, Marissa Gambarda. Can't miss the name. She's a legend. Um, Just be surprised. I might say you might be looking peanut butter off someone's armpit. Yeah, you want to be doing ice cream goes. Olympics and cookout jelly milkshakes. Beans, jelly beans through someone's toes, guys. Yeah. I'm telling you. Any, any youth ministry ideas, shoot me a DM. I would be happy to help you. Yeah, well, thanks so much for being on, Marissa. Go watch Shrek the Musical. I can't believe we just spent an hour making biblical parallels to Shrek. Um, Praise God. Dreams come true. Have a great day, everyone, and we love you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. If you enjoyed, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with your friends. We release new episodes every week. To keep up with what we've got going on, you can follow us on Instagram at nwaybway and head over to our website, nwaybway.com, for even more resources to help equip you as followers of Jesus and artists. We'll see you next time.